Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 2, Episode 3, titled Civil Wars Part 1. See now this, this is what I have been wanting for the past couple of days. This is what I've been pining for. Over the first couple episodes of our discussion of this season. This is the level of quality I expect from an Avatar Universe show. This was a great episode. Or I should say at least a great first half of a two-part arc. Because as the title of this episode suggests, it is a two-part deal. But... Whatever this was, whatever you want to label it, it was great. I love this thing. I love this episode. It is so freaking good and actually explores a dynamic that I find genuinely interesting. I care about this, what happens in this episode, way more than all the spirit and melodrama crap that we've gotten over the past couple episodes. Not that I don't like that this season is focusing more on spirits, because I love that, but this is just more interesting to me. Honestly, this could have been a whole season, but they relegated it to just a couple episodes, a couple installments, and that's what this two-part episode is. Like, this episode shows tensions between the northern and southern water tribes rising and rising and rising and rising and rising and rising and rising. Sort of this, pardon the pun, cold war (laughs) that keeps building and building and building and threatens to turn hot, threatens to turn into this all-out conflict. And you see these tensions just ratcheting up and up and up and up and up the entire time, and it's really, really fantastic It kind of creates this fascinating conflict that I'm every bit as intrigued by as with last season, the revolution of non-benders against benders that the Equalists represented and Amon represented. Like, this is the type of seasonal conflict that I am way more interested in than there's dark spirits. We must stop the dark spirits because dark spirits bad. Really cool. I like exploring the spirit world. Uh, again, I have nothing. I have no problem with this season being focused on spirits. I'm just saying, this could have very easily been its own thing, and yet they didn't 
do that. They didn't spend a season on a conflict between the North and South Poles, which would have been infinitely more fascinating. But hey, if you only get two episodes of that really being a thing, at least there are really good two episodes. <laughs> at least there are really amazing two episodes, and we get to see that conflict slowly ramp up in a really fantastic way. Uh, I love that meeting of the Southern Water Tribe people in Tonrock's home. Uh, that whole meeting of Tonrock and Varric and all the other people where they're getting angrier and angrier and angrier about the North, quote-unquote, invading the South Pole, where they're getting angrier about their lack of independence, and they're all ready to go to war to prevent Unalak from taking over their tribe. Varric, in particular, is really pissed off about this in a very Varric-esque eccentric way <laughs> he's he's get, getting pissy about the north invading while talking about how great these kale cookies are these uh these uh like seaweed whatever cookies are and actively going out of his way to be like, that was a rhetorical question. That wasn't a rhetorical question. Yelling about freaking halibut. Like, he's going about this manifesto of Southern Water Tribe independence in the most nonsensical, Varric-esque way possible. And I love it. I love it so much. It's so freaking great. And in addition to those funny moments, you see Korra trying to be her neutral avatar self, be the neutral peacekeeper that the title of avatar demands of her, while also wanting to help her people. And that internal conflict is really, really fantastic and very well done here. And then she leaves and Beric's like, look, dude, I don't care what the Avatar says. We gotta... We gotta take this up a notch. Oh, uh, we get that really great almost street fight of the snowball kids. The kids throwing the snowballs down on the Northern Water Tribe people. The Northern Water Tribe people attacking the kids. And then everyone's got water pointed at each other. Korra's in the middle saying, like, hey, stop. Stop now. And everyone's mad that she's not on, quote-unquote, their side, even though her literal job is peacekeeper. That's literally the whole point of the Avatar. Like, her whole... The whole point of her is to maintain balance. That includes between the Northern and Southern Water Tribe, and yet both of them are mad that they're not... that, that she's not on their side Whatever. And then Tonrock steps in and is like, Hey, guys, they're, they're not worth it. Just leave. And Korok gets all mad about it because Tonrock stepped in. That is a really, really great scene. That is a genuinely tense, really amazing scene. Uh, eventually, you get that attack on Unalak. And at this point, at this point, Korra does believe that Tonrock is part of this rebellion that Varric has started. 
So, Korra's like going into this fight with the assumption that Tonrock is there. He sees this one big masked man and it's like, Dad, stop! Even though it's not her father, which is, I'll be honest, kind of predictable, but whatever. It, it makes for a really great scene. And it makes for a really, really clever action sequence. Uh, I love this sequence in Unoak's little palace deal. Uh, it's fantastic. Of course, this ends with Korra saving Unalak, which she'll come to regret in about five minutes. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but it's really, really great. It's really, really clever. Uh, I should get into the subplots of this episode. So you have the Bolin-Eska subplot. Where Bolin, like, desperately wants to break up with Eska, but he literally can't. I don't want to live in icy bliss. Uh, help me. What? Oh, my God. The whole Bolin and Eska stuff. I, I'll be honest. That's probably my favorite thing about this season <laughs> at this point in the discussion. It's just the Bolin-Eska subplot. It's so funny. It's so... Absolutely hilarious. Uh, but that goes forward in a very amusing way. Uh, you have a subplot with Tenzin at the Air Temple with Kaya and Bumi searching for Iki, who indeed ran away. And what's great is you get to see more of the dynamic of these siblings, like Tenzin being all... Serious, Boomy being ridiculous, Kaya stepping in and just being like, hey, both of you, you're idiots. Like, it's really, really awesome. The little mini rivalries in there, uh, the bitterness on Kaya and Boomy's side at Tenzin for, in their eyes, hogging all of their father's attention because Airbender. Like, it's great. This whole subplot of Bumi, Kaya, and Tenzin going to search for Iki is fantastic, and it does end in a very bad place for them, where they are angry at each other, and they split up Kaya and Bumi going back to the temple, and Tenzin searching more. I honestly don't remember where this subplot goes. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember uh, what happened to Iki, so... We'll get to that, I guess. Uh, and then, of course, we get our ending. A really, really fantastic ending. Uh, where Korra tells Unalak, Hey, uh, let these people who attacked you stand trial. That way, it'll be fair. That way, it'll diffuse some of the tension. And Unalak's like, okay. Then Korra runs back to her parents' home. And, like tearfully apologizes to them and like they come to this understanding the bitterness between Korra and Tonrock is resolved thank god that was overblown to the millionth degree and then just as they're making up Unalak comes in and arrests Korra's parents on charges of conspiring against him. And it ends 
my God. That is something. That is an ending. And we will dive more into that tomorrow. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to last. There are plenty of other rocky spots in this season where it's not as good as it should be. But this was a high point. This is definitely a high point in the season where they're actually focusing on something that is to the level of fascinating, to the level of intriguing, to the level of engaging that an Avatar show should always be. Uh, I really, really love uh, what they're doing, uh, what they do with this and the second part, which again, we'll talk about tomorrow. So until then, I'll shut up. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra Season 2, Episode 4. Talk to you then.